I want to begin with you this morning a series of reflections on what the Bible has to say about remarkable relationships, about building truly remarkable relationships. In the end, nothing matters more than the quality of the relationships we build with God and with other people. We can have good looks, we can have a beautiful home, we can have fine health, a steady job, even fame or fortune, but if we have not developed an ability to relate well to God and to other people, do we really have success in the fullest sense of that term? Do we? The truth, of course, is that a lot of us have grown somewhat accustomed, if not resigned, to merely regular relationships. Some of these relationships are probably healthy enough, utilitarian enough for our own purposes, but frankly, we've come to expect a fair amount of disappointment in them. We've come to expect a quite a bit of frustration along the journey, a certain amount of conflict in our connections with other people. We've gotten used to the emotional distance that grows up in relationships sometimes. We've gotten accustomed to the secret griping and the restless dissatisfaction that characterizes so many of the regular relationships of life. Now and then, however, we catch a glimpse of people who seem to have found or forged something more, don't we? Maybe we see a marriage that isn't simply surviving, but actually thriving in this really remarkable way. Perhaps we notice an unusual intimacy and commitment existing between a a parent and a child long after that dependency stage has gone past, and now there are peers in this Wonderful, wonderful way. Perhaps you you admire the fabulous dynamic that seems to exist between the members of a team or between best friends or amongst a set of siblings. It might even be the unusually life-giving link that you see established between a, a student and a teacher, mentor, or coach. I know that when I see these kinds of relationships, that I'm moved, in, I may not say it out loud, but inside what I'm thinking is, what's going on there? What's, what's that all about? How did they get that? How are they sustaining that kind of relationship? And is it possible? Is it still possible that that kind of relationship could become mine. Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever see that? Do you ever dare to hope that? God says it's possible. It is possible to build remarkable relationships and I can help you do it. No matter how difficult the relationship is right now, no matter how far away from remarkable 
that relationship may be at the present time. I can help you rise above the regular like a kite soaring above the clouds. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be easy. But I can provide you with the principles and the practices and the power that you need to lift up your relationships to where you want to take them. I can. I will. If you let me. This is the first and the most important principle that I want to lay down from the Bible about progress in the quality of our connections with one another. And the key idea is this. God is our ultimate pattern and provider when it comes to building truly remarkable relationships. Dr. Phil is a great wise man and there are many others out there, but God is our ultimate provider and pattern in the matter of of remarkable relationships. Think of the words of Jesus. As I have loved you, said Jesus, so now you must love one another. Jesus never commands something that he does not have the capacity to empower us to fulfill it. In other words, when he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another, he is saying, so you can love one another. So you can grow to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, the way that I relate to other people is the pattern I want you to study. I want you to imitate it because I can make it possible for you to. In fact, I, and I'm speaking as Dan now, would go so far as to say that at the core of any great marriage you see, at the core of any great family or friendship or team or mentoring relationship that you may find, you will find people who are relating to one another in ways that were previously patterned and directed by God, often in the scriptures, even though the people who are practicing them may not know the source. Though they may have stumbled on the way without knowing its name. They are recapitulating the guidelines, the way of being in relationship that God patterns and provides for us. And it's this particular way of relating that we're going to be unpacking together over these next several weeks. Are you up for that adventure? Would you like your relationships to become even more than they are today? Are you asleep? (laughs) Did I lose you some time ago? Raise your hand if you think, yeah, I want to be an even better relator than I am today. Okay, good. I thought somebody was out there. (laughs) Now, before you settle in too blithely to that answer, let me just hasten on to remark that the second key to developing more remarkable relationships is a particularly challenging one. And it gets described in our scripture text for today. Reflecting on the pathway that led him to this better kind of life that we have in mind, the Apostle Paul writes these words. When I was a child, I talked and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Now, he's not saying I put childlike ways behind me. Childlike is good, okay? Childlike is humble. Childlike is playful. Childlike is trusting, daring, learning. Childlike is good, right? Childish is bad. Bad. Say that with me. Childish, bad, right? (laughs) It's bad. Because childish is selfish. It's narrow. 
in a sense, it's simply the opposite of mature. And what Paul is saying here is that if you are seriously interested in developing better relationships than you have today, you have to grow up. You need to grow up. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the scriptures say, but for the rest of us, the program is what? Change. We gotta keep growing up. We gotta keep growing up. In my very clearest moments, I know this is definitely true for me. Um, I'm old and gray now, you know, and I'm hardly, I, I may collapse any minute, you never know, but I couldn't maybe not finish the sermon. But, I am so childish still in so many ways. Sometimes, sometimes I think that the self that I bring to my relationships is like a ball of kite string that got all wound up and tangled and tight back when I was young. And I don't have time to go into all of the experiences that I had that made the kite string the way it is. And you wouldn't want to hear me do it. You'd really be bored. You'd never get to Mother's Day brunch. All I can say is that God, as the older I get, God keeps breaking through and showing me that even as old as I am, I am still so very wound up in these fixed perceptions of myself and of other people. Uh, And that this is a, a problem for me in my relationships. I'm still so knotted tight in my ways of handling the people and the tensions and the problems around me. My current self, in a sense, is the string that limits the height of the kite of my relationships. Can you, can you get that image with me? I'm just so bound up, it limits the height of the kite of my relationships. And I will never be able to rise to the level of marriage or parenting or friendship or team leadership that I want until I recognize more clearly the way the knots have gotten configured and that are limiting my relationships, and with God's help, begin to untangle these things and put them behind me. Put these childish ways behind me. This is the task for all of us. There's nobody here that's finished growing up. If you have, please stand up so we can begin to imitate you. A lot of people, of course, think they've already grown up. Uh, To paraphrase Paul in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, they think, look at what a great communicator I am. Look at how well I talk and teach and preach at other people. I must be grown up if they've given me the opportunity to do this. Or look at how knowledgeable I am. Look how much I know about life or my career or about the Word of God. Look at my faithful attendance. Look how long I've been in this organization. Look how often I've shown up at the church and look at my giving to the needy and look at all the sacrifices I've made. I must be very mature. Even non-religious people measure maturity by how articulate and educated and faithful and community active they are. And these are, of course, very commendable qualities. We need people who have these qualities in our world. But they are not the measure of maturity in the eyes of God. 
Did you hear me on that? This isn't how God measures maturity. They're not what enable us to build remarkable relationships. They help. It's good to be educated. Good to be a communicator, right? It's good to be faithful. But what it takes to ultimately build the best kind of relationships is maturity defined in another way. Listen very carefully to this. It's the third principle I I hope we're going to grasp today. The ultimate mark of maturity. The ultimate mark of maturity of yours and mine and anybody we know is the length and the strength of the heart string that runs out from that place at your center into the lives of others. That's the measure. That's the mark of maturity. I didn't just make that up. I didn't just pull that out of my hat. This is the inexorably clear message of the Scriptures. Jesus said the most important commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You can boil it all down. This is the goal. This is the maturity we're seeking. Love God and love your neighbor. The Apostle Paul says that love is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says that love is the first fruit. It's the first produce of that Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. In fact, it's the clearest sign that the Holy Spirit is not just dwelling out there someplace, but is really moving through our lives. The clearest evidence, Paul says, that the Spirit is there is that you are loving. You are a loving person. The Apostle John goes on and says that the essence of God himself is what? Love. And that that, that, that the evidence that God is truly indwelling somebody is what? They love. They love more like him. In fact, says Paul, I can be mature in all of the other ways that the world values and certainly needs, but if I have not love, if the preeminent quality that I bring to the relationships of my life is just stuff and structure and even time, but is not essentially an act of love, then I gain nothing, says Paul. And I am nothing. I get reminded of this powerfully and sometimes painfully by point or counterpoint when I see somebody's life come to an end. And, And I've said this to you before. I am statistically unusual in that I spend more time at grave sites and funerals than you do. Every pastor does right? Um, And what's so unbelievably clear in those places is that as we're putting the remains of this person in the ground, what mattered most about that person's life is not whether he or she was a great talker, a good thinker, a good religionist, even a good citizen, as wonderful, again, as these things all are, what so obviously counts by a far stretch 
as the most important thing in the end to everybody who's present on that day is the length and the strength of the heartstring that moved out from that person's life and began to wrap itself into the lives of others. It's the only thing that really matters on that day to people. It is the way that person's love made him or her remarkable. And the way that that remarkable love lifted up the people around them or didn't. And I meet some didn't too. So this is the fourth principle I want to lay down for us today in which the Bible very passionately declares almost everything else that we spend our lives cultivating, constructing, or chasing as the mark of success, almost everything else that we do, we go after in this way, will be stilled, the Bible says. It will cease. It will pass away. And I see it at that graveside. How much of what was built and constructed and occupied and consumed a life is now over. Only love lasts forever. Only the love we've impressed into the lives of our children, our friends, our spouses, our family, our workmates, only the love goes on. Only love lasts. Love lasts like nothing else. And if you want to make a lasting imprint on this world, sure, get a great education so that you can understand people better. Build a business so that you can give people some jobs. Go ahead and construct a house that shelters people and give to causes that assist people. But above all else, resolve that your life is going to be about this perpetual journey of putting behind you whatever childish mindsets and childish addictions and childish patterns that have been tangling you up and hindering you from loving people. With a love like God. Because it will be this about you more than anything else that it will last. Isn't this why Mother's Day means something? Really? I mean, isn't this true? Some of us were blessed to have a mother who loved us, however imperfectly, and all of us are imperfect. Some of us were blessed to have a mom who loved us in a way that was something like the love of God that gets described in 1 Corinthians 13. She was often patient and kind to us when it had to have been pretty tough to be either. Isn't that right? She was rarely boastful or proud about her own accomplishments, but somehow took far greater joy watching us achieve. And mom, if you're watching on the live stream, thank you for doing that. Thank you. I know you do that. She was often selfless. 
She was often slow to anger toward us. As angry as she got, she could have gotten angrier. She would have had reason. She was amazingly able to forget the long list of times we simply got it wrong. She didn't keep a record of it. Haul it out, go through it all the time. Though that list was long and colorful. She didn't delight in the evil that befell us as a consequence of our missteps. Ah, finally you got what's coming to you. She did, she did it jokingly. But she rejoiced when we finally faced the truth. She protected us. She trusted God's work in us. She never stopped hoping for us. She persevered in her love for us. Mom's love did not fail. It did not fail. The love of our mother was not only remarkable in itself, it made a mark on us, didn't it? I mean, we're different. Um, If you knew me, you'd know. If if you find anything decent in me, it's my mother's mark, probably. You'd see it. You'd see the imprint. And it taught us something, all of us, about how to love so that we could remark the lives of others with this love. Love is remarkable in this sense, too. It it has this capacity to pass itself on through history. And even if we didn't know a love like this from our own mother, even if the absence of these very qualities I've just described actually brings us a little bit of pain, because we wish we had known a love like that, it's only because we know so deeply how every human being so desperately needs to be loved with a love that is remarkable, that is like God's. And so that's what we're going after in these weeks ahead together. We're going to really plunge deep in to understand this loving business We're going to find together those principles and practices, that very power of God himself that can help us to grow up and stretch out further than we have. And like the greatest parent in the whole wide universe, the only perfect one, God is going to help us take that merely regular heart we may now have, the one that got all tangled and wound up and tight and knotted, and he's going to help us undo it. And he's going to take those merely regular relationships that we may now be in. And he's going to use that heart string that he lengthens and strengthens to begin to lift those relationships up to a level that is more remarkable than we may believe is possible. And if you have a heart to go on this journey with us, I would be pleased to be your companion, your fellow struggler on the pathway as together we seek this loving God who comes to us, who knows us, who calls us by name and offers us a love like his. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, 
You once gave your followers a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. We thank you this day for the way that you demonstrated that amazing love for people all through your earthly journey. And so supremely did you show it to us upon the cross. We praise you that by your Holy Spirit, your love continues to move around and within us. We thank you for our mothers, for anyone else who has been a conduit of that love in our lives. But you know our heartstring, Lord. You know the condition of our inner being. You know the knots. You know where it's tight and bound up. And only you, Lord God, have the wisdom to show us how to unravel it. So come to us, we pray, with your kind hands. Fill us up afresh with yourself, we ask. And send us forth, lengthened and strengthened, to love the people around us, to lift them up in a truly remarkable way. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.